2: Hey everybody, uh, welcome to another edition of our network classics. Really having a blast doing these. This has uh, really been fun uh, going through some of the fantastic episodes that the WWE uh, has produced. WWE Entertainment uh, has inter- has produced and now put up on the network, the WWE Network. And we have already done uh, a Saturday night's main event before. We're going to do another. Uh, episode this week uh, one that took place on October 5th 1985 and this is a good one boy this is uh, you've heard me say it many times so bad it's good (laughs) it's just a (laughs) it is just a a blast to watch Uh, it took place at the Meadowlands Arena in East Rutherford New Jersey Uh, folks on the East Coast probably know where I'm talking about if you don't it is in New Jersey not far from New York City and apparently there's about 8,000 folks to watch this one. Our play-by-play guys are Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura. Uh, they, they were a good announce team. I, I've, I've said before, I was never a big fan of Vince on his own or doing announcing with other people, but I really think that him and Jesse worked very well together. And, of course, uh, Mean Gene uh, handled the announcing duties for all the backstage and uh, in-arena interviews, and we have a few in here. Um, uh, before we move too far along, I want to give credit here to four one one mania dot com. Four one one mania is dot uh, com the ones we got these notes from on on this particular program. And uh, I want to give a lot of background on this before we get into it. But in the meantime, you can get to the WWE Network and then go to In Ring, and then you go down to where they have uh, you know like featured programs. I think it is or or network. Classics, and then just find Saturday Night's Main Event. And as soon as you bring that up, as soon as you uh, click on that icon, the Saturday Night's Main Event icon, this episode was right at the top. But it's October fifth, nineteen eighty-five. If somehow that's changed on your uh, uh, on your screen, and it's the Saturday Night's Main Event uh, number two, the second uh, edition of Saturday Night's Main Event. We did the the first one already and uh a lot a lot happening with this one they just uh, threw the whole kitchen sink into this one uh they've got uh, let's just do a little background so you know we, we you know we have a, a, a source of reference uh, as to what everybody was doing uh, the world champion uh, was the hulkster hulk hogan uh the intercontinental champion with tito santana which uh god i you know i, I don't even remember him being the champion but uh, he did he did held he did hold the belt for a span Uh, The World World Tag Team Champions, the WWF Tag Team Champions then Were none other than Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus the Barber Beefcake If you uh, can believe that And the Women's Champion was Wendy Richter And an interesting note here And we've discussed it uh, during our podcast before um, You know, that uh, Wendy's reign was short-lived in the WWF and we're talking and this is october of 85 and uh you know they had uh, wrestlemania um and so she's still riding high in this but by november it's all over it's uh, she's uh, been uh, had the well the madison square garden screw job and then she is out she is no longer the women's champion as uh, moola had stepped in and uh, basically uh, you know according to her and a lot of people uh Wendy, uh, she got screwed, and she wasn't going to have any of it. She basically left that arena that night, Madison Square Garden, got into a cab, and never looked back. Uh, although the the wounds would be somewhat mended years later as she went into the WWE Hall of Fame, but uh, what? Quite a drama uh, going on there with, uh, with with all this happening. But she was a world champion at the time. And I thought it would be interesting, too, to uh, go back and look at what was happening in 1985, because the main event here is going to feature Hulk Hogan uh, taking on uh, Nikolai Volkov, who's in full regalia, you know, the whole Russia theme still going here as, uh, you know, Nikolai continues to bring the Russian flag to ringside. Now, uh, the Cold War was really starting to wrap up at this time. As a matter of fact, in March of 85, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, had become the leader of the Soviet Union after the death of former leader Konstantin Chernyko, uh, Chernyenko, I should say, Chernyenko, and uh, you know, Gorbachev became this transformative figure in the USR, uh, USSR, USSR. Uh, if you will recall, and then of course later, uh, as Ronald Reagan would say, uh, "Bring down this wall," and uh, uh, it, it really changed everything uh, in the uh, U. Uh, the former. Uh, United Soviet uh, Russia, as uh, it was known, USSR, and it changed everything. So it, it was interesting to see that we're still playing up the whole America against Russia here, and you know, they could still get away from uh, get away with it. But uh, you know, communism—and uh, has it really ever changed when it comes down to it? But at this point in time, though, the, you know that the communist system was crumbling; it wasn't working. And they knew they had to find other ways. And Mikhail Gorbachev and Ronald Reagan uh, did uh, change the world forever. So I just thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Um, and, and going through some of this uh, other stuff about what was happening in 1985, uh, they let's see, um, they had uh, the coldest winter in eastern U.S. Uh, the eastern halves of the United States and Canada faced some of the coldest temperatures ever recorded in the 20th century as an arctic air mass moves through the country and uh that it's it's funny but since that point in time you know with all the uh, uh the, the theorists on our climate saying it was going we we're going to go into an ice age and then we we're going to be warming and uh, this was happening in 85 so it, it just thought that was interesting uh, to see this year was also when they had the live aid concerts. Remember remember these? Uh, that they raised money for famine victims in Africa. And they were, uh, it was, you know, a big part of pop, pop culture because a lot of the big artists at the time, you know, got involved in the recordings and, um, you know, that uh, were all over the radio. And they raised a lot of money. Uh, they really did. Uh, this was something that... Uh, you know, uh, this was in July of 85, and they had these rock concerts uh, to for famine relief in Ethiopia and around the world. But uh, they, they had these big concerts in London and Philadelphia, uh, down in Australia, and also in Russia. So that was uh, something else, because you remember, remember Bob Geldof. He was the one that uh, really was the big name behind all this. And they raised like $125 million dollars. And, uh, you know, big big acts that were part of this was B.B. Uh, King, Bob Dylan, Cher, David Bowie, Duran Duran, Elton John, Holland Oates, Lionel Richie, Madonna, Paul McCartney, Queen, Run DMC, uh, YouTube. Remember, they did the videos and even Michael Jackson was involved in it. Uh, it was also here they, they tried to put out that new Coke, remember? New Coke. Ooh man, that was just not good. Uh, lesson learned by all corporations of America. So uh, it was also the uh, the coldest winter in the uh, Eastern U.S. This is when they were, you know, they were putting out the warnings back then. We we're going to uh, slip into the ice age, and now we're going to burn up. But uh, even back then, it was uh, the the call for climate change was uh, a big deal, and this was uh, certainly fueling that uh, that the, the that we had uh, global cooling that was going to happen. So. That was uh, uh, another big part of it. So I would see if there's anything else worth noting. Um, as I mentioned, uh, oh yeah, Nintendo. <laughs> More information on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Isn't that, it's, isn't that uh, hard to believe where, how far we've come? And uh, this was 85, uh, that uh, you know, Nintendo was just gigantic. Uh, uh, it had the system, this home gaming system. Um, it was one of its, you know, revolutionary as they called it, and it was had been released in Japan in 1983. And uh, you know, the the system they say did not initially sell much, um, as the video game market had dropped. But uh, with Nintendo Nintendo's uh, U.S. release of their break, their breakout game, Super Mario Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, later that year. <laughs> I just think it's funny that it wasn't that big when it hit. Jeez, uh, it's changed a bit, hasn't it? Boy. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, and Michael Jordan was the MVP of the NBA, so now nah, it just kind of sets the stage of where we were back in, in 1985 uh, as we uh, we get to this. Okay, so uh, I hope I've, I've given you plenty of time here to queue up the um, the episode. And uh, as I've talked a little bit about before, but you know maybe you didn't catch the last episode, uh, I do want to mention that uh, you know what Saturday Night's main event was all about. Now this uh, was you know coming off as I've said before when you know rock and wrestling was uh, had really uh, taken wrestling mainstream. Uh, in cooperation with this was a partnership with MTV, and this is when you know Cindy Lauper got involved and in all these. You know, Lou Albano was big and, uh, you know, it, it had really taken off. And uh, Dick Ebersol, who was with NBC and was a big name in NBC Sports and NBC Sports uh, later on, but also he was one of the original uh, uh, founders, I guess. I don't know if that's the word to use, but had been in on the inception uh, of Saturday Night Live in those days, you know, with Chevy Chase and Jim Belushi and all. I mean, uh, John Belushi. And all of the other, you know, the stars that would come out of that over the years, and uh, he was uh, a wrestling fan, but had uh, for for him, he was he was looking at it from a network executives' uh, viewpoint, and had seen the kind of numbers that they were doing with rock and wrestling, and the attention it was getting uh, across the country and, and around the world. But uh, he saw the the chance here. Uh, you know, because Saturday Night Live would go on hiatus. They wouldn't do a show every single week. I don't remember how many weeks they did during the season, but there would be times when they would basically just show a rerun. And so his idea was to uh, bring this show uh, back, really, because putting professional wrestling on network television, which hadn't been done since the 50s. And his idea was to do the show. And it depended, depending on where you were in the country, what this thing would come on now. I was on the west side of the United States, so they had, uh, you know, like your local news would come on at 10 and be over at 10.30. Uh, back east, it was an hour later, usually 11, you know, come on 11, 11.30. Uh, Saturday night, uh, you know, they didn't have news usually, but, uh, or they did have news, what am I saying? But the, what this show would come on right after, and uh, so it would be on for an hour and a half, so you'd be um, it was 90 minutes Saturday Night Live was on, so this is what this program was. And he came up with the concept, Saturday Night's main event, that would be fill-in programming when Saturday Night Live was off. And it did exceptionally well. Uh, produced the numbers that they wanted to do, and it was on for a number of years. So this was the second episode. And uh, one thing that I really liked about this program is that there weren't many opportunities for people to see... You know, superstars going a superstar going against another superstar in a match, because you know, uh, superstars of wrestling, of course, was a big promotional tool. They would just put superstars in the ring with some jobber, as we call them. Uh, enhancement talent has become the more politically correct term now, and of course, we you know we we can debate. There's differences between you know jobbers, people that they just put in there to squash, and guys that were very talented wrestlers that were put in there which I consider enhancement talent to put, you know, superstars over, and they were really good at doing it. Um, but uh, I digress here because it was a chance for people to see these, these matches on uh, network TV, which didn't cost you anything. Uh, you know, the uh, cable was just kind of in its infancy, so you could see these, uh, you know, this television for free. And uh, so they jazzed it up pretty good. They would do some good matches like this one. They had, uh, you know, Hulk taking on Nikolai Volkoff. Um, this is also when all of that going was going on with Hillbilly Jim, that angle with him coming into the WWF and uh, him being uh, the Hillbilly. And, and Jim got hurt, I mean, badly hurt. And so he couldn't wrestle right away. So they needed something to kind of fill it in because they'd kind of started this angle. And that's when they brought in Uncle Elmer and all these other uh, other hillbillies, and kind of went with that angle. And this was a big part of this show because Uncle Elmer uh, gets married, and so they have the wedding on <laughs> network television. Ay. And as I said at the top of this, it's so bad, it's it's good. I mean, we just, uh, you know, if you love cringeworthy television, there's a lot in this hour that's coming up here. And I'll kind of I'll leave it at that because we'll we'll explain all of it as we go. But, um, but there's you know, a good lineup of matches here as far as the talent goes. So they had Paul Orndorff taking on Roddy, Roddy Piper. Uh, Andre the Giant was there that night. Uh, he teams up with Tony Atlas to uh, face King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd. Got some big boys in the ring for that one. And then the Dream Team, as they were known, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine, the Tag Team Champions, uh, facing Lanny Poffo and Tony Gurria, who is still working at this time. Uh shortly afterwards he would he would be uh retired because I remember by the time I got to the WWF uh he wasn't uh, he wasn't in the ring anymore he was he, uh, ring anymore he was uh an agent he was working behind the scenes but uh you know it's it's not a bad lineup for uh network television so what do you say we get to it I hope you're all queued up uh right now um, we're going to start this out and I'm, I'm basically guys at zero, 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 zero. And I hope you are as well. And I'm going to, you know, do the old deal. I'm going to say uh, three, two, one play, and then we will all push the button. Okay. So if you haven't been, haven't gotten it queued up yet, uh, do so right now, put uh, this on pause, queue it up, and then we come back. Okay. All right. So let's take a quick pause here. All right, and I'm assuming you're back and you're all queued up. If not, you just uh, had to endure a, a second of silence there. But uh, let's let's get to this one as we open Saturday night's main event. And and they uh, start once again. This is part of the program. They do what we call the cold open. And that's where you just came out of a commercial or whatever, and it was right to the, t- right to the talent, the sound on tape, uh, instead of, you know, the usual... Uh, animated open with music and highlights and, uh you know, a big announcement of what you're watching. This would just go right into uh, the way they wanted to start it. And then, of course, they would get into an open. So here we go. Everybody ready? Three, two, one, and press play. Okay, it starts out here with Mean Gene Okerlund, uh, along with Nikolai Volkov. And I don't know what, uh, I guess that's supposed to be like a Russian soldier's trench coat. And, and Nikolai, you couldn't understand him even, this is like the worst I've ever heard of him. I don't know if he got in the vodka before they started this thing, but man. Ah, gotta love Freddie Blassie in the sparkly shirt. He had quite a wardrobe. And the Hulkster kind of going with a pirate theme here. I'm not quite sure. I I never really, uh, I know it was a different look, but kind of over the eye thing. I liked it better when he had the bandana over, you know, his whole head. But this is interesting here because, you know, they, of course, had confidence in Hulk Hogan to cut a promo. I mean, the guy was the best in the business. But they only had one announcer. This is before I came along, so they couldn't do what we would, you know, split and go to somebody else. The Hulkster took this one all on his own with the microphone there. And then we go back to Gene, who had to scramble back to the (laughs) reception area. Nah, it was a uh, pre-tape. But you guys are smart. You you guys are smart to this. I don't have to explain it. But uh, here's a pre-tape. This was definitely a pre-tape. Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer. That's a lot of hair. He looks like a lion there. He had uh, it all going with the fro and everything. The big perm. He's on a mission of love. And then, oh boy, Elmer. Roddy Piper comes in and says, he's been doing a little grazing. He comes with a handful of hay. (laughs) All right, now, here we go. Just keep talking, Roddy. And then we get into that phenomenal open, huh? Saturday night's main event. Woo! Look at these effects. Freeze frame. Things would uh, would advance. There they are. You see, uh, there's Nikolai, Andre, still stepping in the ring. Do you guys know how much Andre hated Big John Stud? Yeah, that was real. And you could understand why. And here we go, coming out from the uh, big sign at the Meadowlands Arena in New Jersey. This is October 5th, 1985. Now this is also, you can kind of hear the echo. So they have this opened up to the house. So they would shoot this these right there. You know, Jesse was there, and so was Vince. And you can hear the reaction of the crowd as uh, Vince tells everybody what the matches are. So listen. So, see, and and, uh, this is the difference, like when you watch superstars. Remember, I've told you before how they had the green screen behind them because they would shoot these generic crowd shots and they would, uh, you know, fire up the crowd just to cheer, just to cheer. See, and you can now, but the fact that they did this live at the arena, it was to tape, but I'm saying when they did this, this is live to tape. You can hear them reacting to Vince's words. There you go. Jesse in uh, one of his many, many different outfits. He's got the purple tuxedo going on and the crazy-ass sunglasses. You know, and I think it was kind of a shoot here. <laughs> I thought it was awful they were doing this bit. <laughs> and he he's just going on the record that uh, this is an outrage that they're having this hillbilly wedding on uh, network television and no place not only on uh, network television, but also in the world of professional wrestling. How dare they? And Howard Finkel, Howard loved doing this bit. Well, He's uh, asking you to please rise as uh, Nikolai sings the Russian national anthem. He's got the big heat going with the flag. And Freddie just loved being a heel, he loved the heat. And I wish I could tell you all the stories. I actually got to spend a lot of time with, with Freddie uh, when I was uh, living in uh, the Stanford area, because Freddie lived close by, and as he was kind of had become the ambassador to the WWF, and so they would send us to um, to all of these uh, charity events together, and just we just had a great time. But, you know, I kind of like the look of the coat. That didn't stick around for very long, but, uh, you know, got got the, the sickle and hammer. And Jesse, uh, you know, he's always the diplomat here saying, you see all the crap they're throwing at him? <laughs> so uh, they were able to keep this uh, Cold War storyline going. And then... Here's uh, Gene Okerlund along with Hulk Hogan, American Made. So when they would do these, you know, uh, kind of backstage a bit, and this one was not opened up to uh, the house. And look behind there. You can see some empty seats. So this was probably done prior, uh, before this all started. This is a pre-tape. But we'll see I I mean I I can't be You know I don't remember And I I wasn't there at the time But that's what it looked like Okay So you've got Nikolai Volkov And then we've got The the big entrance coming Of the Hulkster And very much the You know uh, The American Patriot theme And look what he's coming out to He's not coming out to uh, Real American He's He's it's that John Philip Sousa. Kind of the Fourth of July theme going here in October. <exterminated> yeah. I don't know if this is an exception, but they uh, soon, uh, you know, Hulk would never hit the ring without uh, you hearing "Real American." This was a this was an exception. And wearing white. That's also interesting. Not the, uh, the, the usual gold and red. Oh, big kick to the Heine. As the two brawlers go at it, of course, Nikolai, uh, that sneak attack there. Head, butt, big logs across the shoulders. Slams the Hulkster into the turnbuckles. They're going to do a little tour around the ring. And just rips the t shirt off. The American made t shirt. How dare he? So just add insult to injury here, trying to do more injuries. (laughs) Choking Hulk Hogan. And the Hulkster really in big trouble early on here in this matchup as Nikolai Volkov doesn't let up. Oh, big block. Nuh uh. Big elbow. And now it's Volkov who ends up in that turnbuckle, eating it. Hard in there, and a clothesline, and down goes Nikolai. There you go. Freddie Blassie, not happy. What are you seeing? Into the ropes, and why not? Another clothesline, down goes uh, Nikolai. Not a whole lot in the arsenal here, but man, he knows how to deliver it, right? Great shot with the American flag in the background. Headbutt as Nikolai staggers back in the corner. You know, Nikolai was a big boy, man. And this is a the, you know the classic big boy match. Boots to the chest, Nikolai. Oh, right on the ring, the table there. Ooh. Now, not quite sure whose idea it was to have tables that frickin' close to the ring. That's just, you know, you need you need that, that, that uh, you know, seven-foot barrier with the, you know, they, of course they would end up, they moved those tables much further back. But that was just, I don't think you're supposed to go out on that side, actually. Oh man, big forearm right to the kidneys. And and remember now this is also Mary, I mentioned we're in New Jersey here. And when they'd have these events, uh, you know, this was all union. So the WWF didn't have a lot of control with the how the ring was set up as far as uh, you know, where they had things and uh many cases they'd have to have what the you know, like ghost union members who would shadow these guys and they would they would actually set the ring up, but they'd have the personnel, well, you know, he, he got his hand in the wrong place. Now we're talking getting the shorts up, but ooh. But you know, Nikolai's showing some strength there. Hulk had a you know, a few LBs behind him there and trying to lift up the Hulkster could not have been easy. But anyway, the reason I was bringing that point about the union is that, uh, you know, they had like New Jersey Athletic Commission guys at ringside that just would be there for a payday, basically. But that's the way things ran back then before uh, they finally said, you know, screw it. We're just going to come out and it's sports entertainment. And the illusion uh, was gone, and so were the ridiculous payoffs that they had for this form of entertainment guys made a lot of money back then trying to get the Hulkster up for a pile driver oh and he lifts up Nikolai and sends him over You know this. Uh, you know the for the two big men, and and Nikolai was you know still pretty agile. For who <laughs> for Nikolai, right? You see a lot of action. He knew this was a uh, big exposure, and uh, you know for what he had, uh, he was he was very entertaining. Double axe handle. Another one. See, here we go. Hulk Hogan reaching down, as we always would see. This punch is no sell. But those big rights are doing damage to the side of the head of Nikolai Volkov. Reverses. There goes uh, the Hulkster into the corner. And uh, those lightning quick reflexes. Gets out of the way before Nikolai can do anything. Drops the leg. Here's a cover. And there you have it. It's that leg drop. It was all over. Big victory for America, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, takes a flag, rips it off. Head butts the flag. I don't know what that was about, but this gives a good message, right? Shining my boots. With the Russian flag. And you hear Jesse in the background. What an outrage. How disrespectful. I don't care your feelings. And spits on it. And then we get the John Philip Sousa mu- uh, music back in. So I just, I wonder if they used this music during this whole run between these two. Because, you know, they they had a lot of house shows. Going with the same angle. (laughs) Here, Vince, biggest name in wrestling and romance. Because that's exactly what I think when I'm thinking of Uncle Elmer getting married. The think.
0: Heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan.
2: And Hogan must pose. And boy, did he do it well. Yeah. Big stuff. All right. Uh, you know, after that quick break, that timeout, we're back into it. And Gene was busy, boy, for these Saturday Night Main events. So now I'm looking at this. You know, maybe it was it was live but i'm well i guess because they couldn't see him they didn't open it up to the house so but obviously this was post post inter or post match but i was just I, i'm looking at the crowd and it looks pretty much the same as it was when we we saw that first interview so maybe maybe they did do it before he we went out and uh, of course i got to plug the wedding that's coming up and remember there's this alliance between Hulk Hogan and Hillbilly Jim, the Hulkster who brought uh, Jim into the WWF. Gene's going to be playing the organ. I don't know if that was an inside uh, joke uh, that uh, Gene didn't miss an opportunity. So (laughs) I'm going to leave it at that. Because I know he didn't play the organ, at least uh, not that I ever saw. So maybe might have been much better on the Ivories. But uh, organ, I don't think, was part of his uh, repertoire. Okay, so we just slide in. Uncle Elmer, Hillbilly Jim. All right, keep it to just a few words, Uncle Elmer. And uh, cousin junior. Uh All right. See this one you can hear is in the arena. All right, Gene gets through it. Well, look at this, Jerry Valiant, who at one point got uh, you know was got some attention as of note. At this point, though, he's pretty much a an enhancement talent to the stars, as you will see in this match coming up with Uncle Elmer, we've got Cousin Junior at uh, ringside along with Hillbilly Jim. and uh, as I mentioned before Jim uh, you know like he had just come into the WWF and at that and had gotten hurt uh, one of the matches I think he hurt his hurt his uh, his knee really bad and so there's uh, Cousin Junior that's his that was pretty much his contribution to the WWF at the time okay Jerry Valiant Yeehaw! There you go. There you go. As uh, Uncle Elmer gets set to go in this matchup against. Don't blink, everybody. There you go. There's a the cover, and. And uh, I think that was a new record. Yeah, that uh, that was that was uh, pretty quick. I think it was like six seconds, is what it. Uh... <laughs> it's in the notes here. It says this breaks uh, breaks King Kong Bundy's shortest match ever record from WrestleMania against S.D. Jones, which was eight seconds. There you go. And there you go. Jerry Valiant gets to do this uh, on national television. So much for a career. Okay. But uh, obviously, they're trying to put over Uncle Elmer big time, asking Jerry Valiant to go down in six seconds. So, oh, so this is part of it. Okay. So, you ready for this? Slams him. Well, I thought uh, this is longer than eight seconds. Yeah. Oh, boy. So that was uh, part of the angle of this. Is have uh, To go back to a match with King Kong Bundy. I don't know. Kind of interesting to see that it's Uncle Elmer that would break the record. <laughs> he look like he weighs four hundred and fifty pounds. I mean, he's a big boy, but I don't know four four hundred. Didn't even didn't even break a sweat. As Gene talks with Uncle Elmer.
0: Hmm.
2: Huh? I think they gave him too many sentences. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, look, look, the Terminator. I'll be back. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger in the crowd. Wow. Okay, there's a surprise. The Body Shop. Oh, and he. Changed and put on the, what, uh, I'm not quite sure what that is. The Swami, the, I don't, I don't really know. Joker, what's, (laughs) Bobby Heenan. Anytime you see Bobby in the ring is, uh, it's worth the watch. The body shop, I don't know, never quite uh, took off, did it? As he should have uh, taken off that outfit. I don't know what's going on with that thing there. That's just a little crazy. All right, so in in this interview, uh, Bobby is talking about, he's put a price on uh, Paul Orndorff's head. Because uh, if you remember back in the time, uh, Orndorff had turned baby face. And he's gone from 25k to 50 Oh boy, look. Let's see if we're going to get even a view of some money. Look, it's got to show him. Uh, let's see. Oh, there he goes. Okay. A lot of paper in that briefcase. <laughs> What is it? What are those? There's like weightlifting equipment. What is, what are, what is that? Because I guess, because, you know, Jesse, the body, I guess. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, of course, Jesse just loves it all. Yeah. But now, now he's, uh, he's all good. So. You got me and Gene with Paul Orndorff. What a physical specimen, huh? Got the feathered look with that haircut. Oh. Oh, boy. Can't talk about that anymore. So we got Gene here backstage with Orndorff reacting to what Heenan just said in the ring uh, in the body shop. So Gene, making fun of the skirt that he uh, wears. Classic Gene. Knows how to wrap it up and knows how to sell it. Orndorff can't wait. He's running to the ring. Be careful. Don't get blown up here. He can't wait. He wants Piper. Ooh. Almost takes a swipe there at the fink. We got Piper backstage with Gene. So Piper... Ready to go for that 50K. And I guess it must be pretty loud in there because he's trying to block the noise. He puts his finger in his ear. <laughs> I don't know. What the hell's that about? Oh, got to bring, because this is a recurring theme, right? This goes throughout the show. They're going to sell this thing and put it uh, out there whether you like it or not. And here we go, man. He was a specimen, though, wasn't he? Oh man, they're doing it all up, and full. And uh, I'm sure this is either the uh, the fire department or you know, police. The uh, giving them the uh, the showcase here. Which is awesome. Wearing the green, these first responders. If you ever spent any time in New York City, man, they uh, all the parades and they have these uh, these uh, bagpipe cores that are just phenomenal. And Bobby bringing out uh, the briefcase full of money, fifty thousand dollars. And we come back. So far, look, at this is just a right out. Just punch, 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 back and forth. Man. And I I have a feeling this isn't going to change too much in this one. Sends him in there. Clothesline. Down goes Orndorff. uh, Oh, big kick to the face. You didn't expect Roddy to play by the rules, did you? You know they didn't talk to each other about what shorts they were going to wear, or maybe they did. Little warning to uh, you know. And this is back east, man. Look at this, all the stuff they're tossing in the ring. Oh man, do these guys hate each other or what? This is that's just a body tackle, and. Uh, you could see this—the garbage that they're throwing in the ring. One of the big things back then is they'd—they'd uh, they'd sell beer in these wax cups, these wax-coated cups, and they could wad those things into a, a decent ball, you know, that they could throw. And they couldn't do much damage, but you could—you could throw them a pretty good distance. <laughs> these two going at it. Oh boy, Piper! Little measured kick to the forehead, little stomp, pounding away. You know, this is really this is just a brawl with these two, and that was meant to be. As Piper literally kicks him out of the ring and then goes after him at ringside. Ooh. Hard under that steel railing, chair to the back. Let's see, now, as I talked about, I, I'm those guys are not uh, WWF people. Um, they're probably just uh, either athletic officials or union guys, but and uh, they just love being at ringside, and they could they could go down there and do it. It's just timers or whatever. But with that, uh, you had to know you could be part of the action. If you got taken out, that was your fault. You were down there. Big shots. Oh, Roddy, make it just simple. Just poke him in the eyes, right? Big knee right to the chin. And Ordendorf taking the brunt of it at this point. Big spin. Oh, and they're both just uh they're now they're just uh both reeling at this point. And we'll see, they're gonna start the, the count again? Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, two big knees right to the chest. Probably took the wind out of Piper, literally at that point. Oh man, that was a that was kind of a surprising move for those two. That shot right over the top of the the top rope there. Misses with the chair. And you hear that count continue as this brawl just continues on as they're fighting all the way backstage. I think it's fair to say it's far from over between these two. I think they've already rang the bell. Gee, and under the scaffolding, grabbing whatever they can. And you can see them Oh, that took out a I took out one of the uh, referees, one of the officials. Oh, amazing! We have a camera there. <laughs> and Piper goes in; he's slamming uh, the door on his arm. Oh well. So I uh, I think it's a double DQ on this one, but. Uh, course the real action is taking place backstage is the ref still trying to break it up. Where's the all hands on deck? He's going to need some help. Just crazy. Can you believe it as we go to break? And now it's time for the nuptials. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Jesse said "Gene <laughs> looks like he's the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, that's a great line. And of course, yeah, that's that's Gene, right? You believe it, right? Playing, uh, yeah. Okay. As uh, they come in, and that, uh, that was a little bit of shtick, I think, to put Gene there, have him involved. But you thought they would have made him the announcer for this. Ooh. And look! Look at the look at <laughs> look at the circus. You've got uh, the entrance as they come up. They got the stairs, and you got Andre and Tony Atlas, who are lifting the ropes. Oh no, Hulk! The Hulkster. He teams up with uh, Andre. Teams up with Atlas coming up a little later on. Yeah. Match made in heaven. Look at Gene. <laughs> what? What's with that shot? That's just too funny. So look at all the people they got on stage here. Lil' Albano. There's uh, Cousin Junior. So is this supposedly, you know, the legit minister, right? Yeah, of course. Mowage. Remember that from Princess Bride? Yeah. Okay. Uncle Elmer just all broke up, all nervous. How long do we have to endure this? And listen to people that are booing. <laughs> Jesse. Oh, God. Can we move this along? That's that was the first question. How fast can we get this over with? I, I, you know, I I don't know if you guys remember this whole gimmick, this whole shtick, this this storyline. I like I said, it was so bad, it was good. I guess. <laughs> oh boy. just have to look at this at the time, right? That They're laying this all out to these guys. Okay, then you're going to go in the ring. You're going to stand ringside. Are you going to stand in the ring? <laughs> expect, expect, it was respect. Yeah. So I, I think that, that's, that uh, that's null and void. It's the idea with the ties on the outside of the overalls <laughs> Jesse says choice she could still get out of it oh she got hit she got pelted with something yeah people ain't buying this stuff uh, they, they, remember this is supposed to be a baby face angle. Oh, God. How long? <laughs> Jesse says. they go on fingers or noses. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, Uncle Ember looks a little nervous there. Mm. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> He's not quite getting those. uh <laughs> I can't hear you. Those people are hoping that he that he wouldn't look at. He can't even hold his hand still a wreck Elmer couldn't quite you know uh, remember the five words listen to the crowd oh Roddy comes in has to just make it just has to ruin it. I think they're they're behind Roddy here. <laughs> what do you think? I think they agree with Roddy. <laughs> and they agree with him. The guy behind him—he's got one of those old flash cameras. Oh, he's just out of—he's just out of control. You know, he's not getting pelted. I think—I think people agreed him, agreed with him. I like Hulk's version of his uh, of the uh, tuxedo. He's got the boots going, sleeveless shirt. I think I, I now thank God. Pronounce you man and wife. Like, okay. Oh, boy. Big grinding kiss. Yeah. That is some ladies' man. Hmm. Gene. <laughs> Gene on the organ. That's too freaking funny. How funny is that? Me, Gene, playing the organ. They throw these shots and Gene's just playing it up. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Is that one of the, uh, the children? Yeah. I think they had to dub in the oinks or the squeaks. The squealing. Oh, we got chickens. You know this is not going to end well, right? You know it is not going to end well. But any chance you get uh, the opportunity to get pigs on the set, they're going to go for it. King Kong Bundy. And Big John Stud behind him. Oh, boy. Bobby wasn't gonna let that go by. Wow, King Kong Bundy. Yeah, well, uh. uh, He he probably wasn't real thrilled having to do this match. What's kind of sad to think of, guys, is uh, the fact that none of these guys are still with us. That's just sad. Let me take a break. And there's Andre making his way to the ring. And they did love him at Madison Square Garden. Big John Stud going, oh boy, I gotta do another match with this guy. He's gonna just destroy me. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, Andre, th- there was one giant. There wasn't uh, there was no other giant, and uh anybody else was gonna have to uh have to put up with the punishment. I'm not sure if Andre was fond of, of uh King Kong Bundy either so uh, we got this match up here now Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy taking on Andre the Giant and then you see Tony Atlas there in the corner in this tag team match you know Bundy was a big guy man look at him next to Andre now let's see just, just see how stiff he is with these guys alright because if Andre didn't like you, man, oof, it was not going to be pretty. And he's choking uh, Bundy. Probably, probably, <laughs> he probably has got uh, a little bit of uh, pressure on the throat there. I mean, look at these shots, and as we get going, watch it through this match of, of just how he really really is pretty uh, pretty brutal on these guys, you know, and especially like you'll see when Big John Studd gets in here. and even at this point, Andre was not capable of a lot. As you see these guys going at it. Oh. Look how small Atlas is next to him. Well, Tony, though, he was a physical specimen, but next to these guys, man, he just looked puny. I was kind of surprised that his... Lower section was so small, compared to the rest, you know, the rest of him because he was just an avid weightlifter. I'm surprised that he didn't do more to balance out the the bottom half. Come stud. Wow, so some athleticism there. Trying to pick up Big John stud, man. He uh, he weighed a few pounds, right? <laughs> Maybe the reverse. Oh, and misses with the legs, and there's... Oh, man. He tries to grab a wad of hair as he drops the uh, elbow there. Big kicks. Oh, boy. He's not. Uh, he's not going to stick around for any of that business. So Stud backs away in a hurry after Andre gets a hold of him. And there's a tag. All right. So let's see what happens here with these two. For uh, big reasons, so he's reluctant to get into the ring with Big John Studd or with uh, with Andre. And you know when when Andre was slung those arms, man, it was like logs were flying. But these where he would do the punishment, where he'd really lay it in there with those chops. And you see, he sends him into the ropes. Now look at that boot. <laughs> Yeah, no love there. No love lost, that's for sure. Oh, boy. Stud sends Atlas into that steel post. Big elbow into the chest of Andre, and then Stud lays one in. And we've got the bell. So this one's going to last. And you, you see there's a pattern here. These matches don't really last longer than four or five minutes. Oh, yes, he is. As uh, Atlas is incapacitated, in comes the Hulkster. Big shots from uh, Hulk Hogan. As he goes after stud two. The big save from Hulk Hogan, as Atlas was incapable, of course, after getting rammed into that ring post. So, of course, the Hulkster had to come in to clear the ring. He uh, slipped into the leather pants. That's part of the tuxedo look, Remember? Andre does the uh, double noggin knocker, and we're going to milk this for a little longer. With Hulk Hogan coming in making the save, and Gene Oker, like I said, boy, he was all over the arena for this. He was uh, you know, played the Horgan, all the all the different interviews. He got a lot of face time. I saw that uh, Hulk Hogan uh, had a recent tweet where he talked about he showed a picture of the last time that him and Gene were together and uh, saying how much he missed him and you know they those two are really really close uh, they came up through uh, the ranks it was you know one of the big reasons that Gene even ended up with the WWF is because Hulk Hogan lobbied for him and wanted him there and he realized the magic the two of them had and they were really really close. Uh, friends, I know Gene told me that they had dinner all the time. Uh, you know, even up until the time of his death, uh, and and just uh, really really close friends all those years, all those many years. And of course, I got more Gene. <laughs> I love that he drives up. He's got a mic with a wire on it. So, <laughs> that's uh, going to the illusion. Oh, we're going to, uh, into the wild. Hmm. It's Jane. Follow me if you will. Uh, on the hunt for George the Animal Steal. There he is. Near the camels, the sheik. Okay, (laughs) perfect form. (laughs) Where in the world is George the Animal Steel? Okay. That's uh, yeah. That, remember they did the electroshock to try and get him to to change him. Uh, didn't work. He said, "How now, brown cow?" Was about it. Huh. Of course, Gene would know it's the Asiatic variety. <laughs> yeah, pretty good imitation. There you go. <laughs> what kind of tiger is that? It's Detroit. Detroit tiger. At the Detroit Zoo, of course. Oh, look. <laughs> the weasel. Mm. This is all puns. But... <laughs> <laughs> Triton Zoo, yes, yes. <laughs> Gene stepped in something. There goes the animal. Yeah. Okay, well, that was when, uh, that's kind of the uh, the beginning of all of the the uh, vignettes that would soon follow after that to help put uh, over the talent. And this is an interesting matchup. Lanny Papo, who of course would become the genius, but this was prior to that, he, uh, for he became uh, so brilliantly intelligent. Oh boy. Johnny Valiant. The big cigar, and this before you know Brutus came into his own as the uh, the barber. Greg Valentine carrying the load on this. Gene man, he was all over this episode, right? Man, now they didn't let Brutus say much back then. So this is uh, this is for the tag team championship. Oh, oh, yeah, see that? A little bit of uh, mischief. Tag team title match. And, of course, Uncle Elmer's wedding, we don't want to miss, or the wedding reception, of course, we don't want to miss that. So we come back from break. And, boy, Lanny uh, looking an awful lot like Mac- Mark Merrow, right? With uh, <laughs> that hair. Oh, boy. Oh, Greg Valentine. Some Big shots. And, you know, Lanny Lanny was a hell of a worker, though. He, uh, you know, him and his uh, brother, Randy, and very, uh, very, very much uh, gymnastically skilled. See, Barry Wyndham with the eye patch on, Mike Rotendo. But the hammer, you know, uh, also did a, a lot in the ring. You know, people don't, I don't think, give him credit. But he was, uh, you know, a big name in the WWF when they brought him in, and and uh, was one of the the biggest superstars they had when that all began. And it's funny to see that Brutus really he's taken a, a back seat to all this. This is before uh, he became as popular as he did. That was yet to come. Yeah, and Lanny's showing us some moves. You know, back then, that was kind of like, whoa. Now, geez, it's a regular part of it, what, you know, everybody does. That's that's nothing compared to what we're seeing today. Brutus? And, you know... uh, Brutus had, you know, paid his dues. Uh, he always got the uh, the idea that he was where he was because of Hulk. But there was a lot of time he went out on his own. He was working in different organizations. He was in Japan and uh, a lot of these places uh, around the world before he uh, really became a mainstay with the WWF. So, you know, you check out his history. Brutus uh, made a name for himself. And he was was a good hand, as they say. And in comes Tony Gurria. I was anxious to see him. I've not seen a lot of Tony ever in the ring. He keeps going here. Big drop kicks. Sends them both flying. Here's a cover. And remember, this is for the tag team championship, guys. Although, can you imagine that team, Gurria and Papo, as the tag team champions? I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. It drops the hammer or elbow, whatever you want to refer to it as you stepping across for the figure four leg lock oh boy uh, Green not uh, able to get through and he's gonna he's gonna submit so Brutus sends Lanny flying over the top rope as they retain those belts. All right. And Johnny Valentine there with a big stogie. As Howard comes in to make it all official. Yeah, okay. I think what they're calling them the That's right. The US Express, Rotunda, uh, Rotunda and, and uh, Barry Wyndham at ringside. But it never, uh, they never got their chance to try and get those belts, at least from them. All right. And it's time to wrap this up almost. Thank God. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it was fun. It's fun to watch this. And this is the reception. And this is these are always so bizarre. There you got. You know, Hulk was, I mean, uh, uh, well, this is an interesting table, huh? Vince, Hulk, Orndorff, and Jesse. Jesse writing a a poem. Uh, Gene was the star of these Saturday Night Main Event. I mean, look how many times he was on. He was uh, more more than anybody. I mean, he probably made 12 appearances in this thing. And it's uh, no surprise that Gene became so popular among WWE fans, WWF, I should say, at the time. Yeah. What what is going on? They're just Jesse. Just... It's Keith Richards' look, elegantly wasted, and of course. Gene Okerlund. <clears throat>
0: what?
2: What? Oh, okay. We'll remember that. I think there's a little more to that theory, but uh, apparently you don't You eat with the left hand so you can pet a good friend and drink, apparently, with your right. Who's got the porn stash? Here we go. Oh, boy. Well, that's a plug for everybody. And we got a little NBC in there as well. There we go. And of course that would come. <laughs> Gene. <laughs> takes out the, the wine glass. Gene loved the good shtick, man. And that's, I loved him for it. Yeah, it's just great. And then we got to have the toast, of course. There you go. Huh? Oh, okay. Gene still with a comeover. Okay, surprise guest. Long time, long time post person. Tiny Tim. Wow. Wanna wrap this up, huh? Tiny Tim still living in, he lived in New York City all those years. What did he do for all those years after the Johnny Carson fame? Yeah? Of course, you all remember, been, not many of you maybe maybe you missed it, but of course, Tiny Tim got married to Miss Vicky on the Tonight Show. Didn't last. Can you imagine? Oh, you're going to take advice from Tiny Tim. Okay, yeah. That was a gimmick, though. You know, bring Tiny Tim on. Wow. Let's see if he even knows how to play it. Let's see. Okay, Tiny Tim's still kicking then. Uh-oh, Jesse's going to come on and wrap it all up. <laughs> wow, doesn't that sound awesome? Wow. Who knew? Jesse. Jesse. So romantic. Eh, you know, here it comes. Ooh, boy, there's the turn. Ooh, uh-oh. Course, we couldn't wrap this up without a. Oh, there we go. Into the cake. Gotta have the cake. I think we had cake in the first episode, didn't we? Yes, we did. Gotta have the cake theme. Got the cake, cake gimmick. And Vince McMahon. Oh boy. Oh boy, you think we're uh <clears throat> laying the, the we're paving the road here. Yeah, we'll just keep doing these quick little breaks. There we go, and Vince here to wrap it up. There you go. See, and I remember I said there's Dick uh, Ebersole and Vince McMahon, executive producers. always love watching the credits because uh, names pop up there. There's Kerwin Sophie's the director, still with the WWE. George Scott, event coordinator, is the uh, title they gave him. Well, at least it didn't end in a brawl, but we did get cake. Okay.
1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Wow. And we'll just stretch it out. We got to get everybody in there. <laughs> Lou Albano. That's too bad that we actually have to see these guys dance. I mean, uh, boy. Titan Sports and Once a Month Productions. You know, uh, Ebersol, he had, uh, there you go. Uh, Ebersol had his own production company. And that's a chance that uh, when he brought me in, after I came in, he let me uh, come on to do some of the Saturday Night's Main Event. But, um, you know, it was pretty awesome that I uh, got that opportunity. But he had a production, co- production company called No Sleep Productions. And it was when he had, it was kind of on this hiatus uh, between network gigs. And uh, he was producing Saturday Night's Main Event and a few other uh, programs, before he would, of course, go back to NBC and then be involved in, uh, you know, more network programming, a lot of sports as well. But, uh, you know, uh, it was, at the time, it was just an amazing, uh, you know, period because to have uh, wrestling, having professional wrestling back on network television was huge at the time because it hadn't been on, as I mentioned, at the the top of this uh, since the 50s. And so it, it, it showed you where wrestling had gone to at this point from, uh, you know, basically being these territories that were on uh, local television and, uh, you know, uh, carved up uh, to a very niche audience where people that uh, would, you know, have to really seek this out to find it. And of course, Vince had started early on, uh, you know, a few years before uh, syndicating the, uh, his shows to all these local markets where he was actually paying them to put them on. And uh, within this period of time, we're talking 1985, October 85, you had uh, the network involved. They were on network television. And, of course, uh, you know, and all the great pay-per-views that would come uh, beyond that after, the, you know, the WrestleMania, uh, the first one, and, and then uh, it going from there. But just a, an amazing period of time. Saturday Night Live was huge still at the time, and you know, they had big names that were involved in the casts uh, with Saturday Night uh, Live, and uh, they would come in uh, uh, and have these uh, these shows that would air, you know, as Vince said right there, in four weeks. So they'd be on, you know, once a month or so, uh, where they would have these uh, breaks between the Saturday Night Live shows, and uh, that gave them the opportunity to really. Profile uh, and show what the WWF was all about, and it was just uh, you know, and it went on for years, which was just incredible to think. uh, And and believe me, if they wouldn't have been able to have uh, have those ratings, there's no way this stuff would have stayed on television. It just wouldn't have happened. They would have uh, you know would have been on for a few times and then just gone away. But even I don't know back then it was all about numbers, and and you didn't have you weren't splitting. The uh, television viewing, like they are today. I mean, it's just divided up. You get if you get a one, you you see we talked about, uh, you know, these numbers that were ratings that are now. You know, you're talking if you get a two something share, uh, that's big. You get three, you know, the three share that's that's gigantic. So to have it uh, change like that is just just amazing. Uh, When um, you know back then you got. Big shares like eight or nine or even bigger than that. That was a big night, and they did this on a regular basis. So, I um, hope you enjoyed it. I, I really, I really love looking back on these because I just I forgot about what they really uh, threw into these. You know that they would have, um, you know, everything. They had vignettes. They had all these interviews. They packed a lot into an hour. Uh, Look at all the stuff they had in there. Besides the matches, there were some decent matches with superstars. They would do, um, you know, uh, all these vignettes. And then you had uh, Gene all over the place. Good Lord, man. He was just all over, Uh, you know, that they uh, would have all these people on. And it it was different from superstars because, like we mentioned before, superstars was the show where they just did squash matches. It was just bad Anyway, so I hope you enjoyed it. I, I I love doing these, and we of course will keep doing these every week until uh, you know, until you guys aren't, aren't listening to them anymore. But uh, in the meantime, if you guys keep checking them out, I'll keep uh, I'll keep doing these, and it won't just be Saturday night's main event. We'll do we've been doing Tuesday night Titans, and we've been doing um, you know some of these other things, uh, these other program. We might even do prime time. Uh, there's superstars out there now, I'm hoping maybe they'll bring out challenge, and we can do some of those. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, in the meantime, we'd love to have you join us on uh, Patreon. Uh, join our Patreon membership. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney. And uh, for as little as four ninety nine dollars a month, $4.99, you can get all of our contact, just not even just the Network Classics, but also our individual, uh, our original episodes every Wednesday. And then, of course, the Vault episodes uh, on Saturdays. And they all drop at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we'll have a lot more of that coming your way. But uh, check out uh, our Patreon membership, patreon.com slash primetime Mooney. Uh, check out our t-shirts at mooneytees.com. And, uh, of course, we've got a lot more content coming your way. So, uh, I'm glad you were able to check this one out. Be sure and check out the next episode we got coming up this Wednesday. And in the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.